0: Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience.
2: Are you, are you done yet? We're to start the show.
0: O'Deor behind that fantastic goal. Oh, the goal! Goal from the fast break. 30 seconds left in the period, the Bruins are shorthanded. Ray Bourque He's got a circle.
2: Hey everyone's fans got a little special uh, nugget here. Uh, Joe Chanelski from the blackandgoldhockey.com, our very own affiliated website of this black and gold hockey podcast, is joining me today. A kind of a round table kind of thing we're doing with the fans. And uh, I encourage people that if I send out links, uh, please get involved. If you wanted to get something off your chest about the Watson Bruins, about something they're going to do, what they're not going to do, how they're going to do during the season. Your voice is welcome here throughout the season. So, Joe welcome to number one welcome to the team uh I you've great asset so far and i'm uh, really looking forward to more um more of your content but more or less i brought you on here too just to basically talk about whatever you want whatever's like really hitting you in the uh in, in the wheelhouse right now so joe welcome
1: all right uh mark thank you appreciate it appreciate everything actually appreciate you letting me join the team and uh, also to talk today um uh, a, a topic near and dear to my heart is uh, is uh, Danton Heinen. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if you want to discuss that or not, but uh, and basically Danton Heinen, or maybe what the uh, what the top six uh, is going to look like for uh, Boston in a few weeks. Um, I
2: actually talked about Danton Heinen on uh, uh, Die by the Blade podcast, an SB Nation thing last night um, with uh, this, this guy Anthony. I can't say his last name. God, I'm terrible with names, but um, he was asking me about my breakout uh, candidate for the season, and mine was Danton Heinen because I do believe that he's got some some tremendous um, offensive capabilities. But it's just where he's put. I think that he's he's that um, you know that that player that can play in so many different areas, and you can plug and play him on the first, second, third line, even fourth line minutes if needed. But I just think that. By moving him around like that, he just didn't have time to create any chemistry. So, um, with Charlie, and I, I mentioned this on that podcast too, by the way. And and, and I said that um, you know if we were talking about Danton Heinan's money and the involvement with Carlo and McAvoy, I wouldn't assign, I wouldn't have signed Danton Heinan. I would have used all available funds to take care of that back end first, and then worry about. Danton Heinen's, the Brad Richies, the Parlin homes, and so on. So, your thoughts?
1: Um, I think that the I think that the Heinen contract. I, I think I believe it was a fair deal where he slotted in. I understand where you're where you're coming from with your opinion on that, but um, I think that Sweeney probably knew that he'd be able to get Heinen done and get him, slot him into that uh, the, the money area, uh, a fair area where he thought he would. And, uh, I, I mean, I agree with your assessment with him as a player. I, th- I think that he's a, he's a chameleon. Uh, you, can, you can put him wherever you need to put him. And I, I actually think that that works against him to a certain extent. Uh, I think Jake DeBrusque, he, who he gets compared to a lot because they're similar age and, and came into the, you know, the league around the same time. DeBrusque has basically been stapled to Krejci's hip since the first training camp he came up. And I think that in large part has played to him putting up uh, better offensive numbers than Heine did last year as a rookie, uh, you know, Heinen, Heinen, they moved him all over the place and he put up better numbers than DeBrus did. And then last year, the roles kind of reversed a little bit. So I think his versatility hurts him. And um, I think he, for me, I look at the the games when Pasternak was hurt last year, the uh, 16 games, and he had a goal and 12 assists in that period and that's, that, that line was better defensively with him on it and equal offensively to when Pasternak was on that line. Um, I'd like to see him in that spot this year, and I'd like to see them drop Pasternak down to the second line with Krejci. I think, I think it's Krejci's it, – to me, he gets a lot of grief, and Krejci's amazing for what he has done with the talent he's gotten uh, over the last few years. I think if you gave him someone like Pasternak, and let them play together, um, develop some chemistry. I think you could see really good things out of that line. And I think that as long as Barshan and Bergeron are together and you have a smart wing with them, uh, I think that line's gonna produce too.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I like the idea. Wait, wait, I like the angle that you're coming from um, with the line combos. But uh, sometimes I wanna see some changes too. Um, and, and I know I'm going to get killed for this, and I have in the past, but I, I would like to see Krejci jump up to the first and Bergeron to the second. I just think that the playmaking abilities of David Krejci are a little more better than Bergeron. Bergeron's more of a finisher to me, and 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 having him in between the likes of uh, Heinen or, or Seneshin or and Debrasco whoever works out in that combo i mean i'm not a big line comp you know prediction type of guy but
1: mm-hmm.
2: i i just think that, that 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 would create another just dynamic line more secondary scoring i know it sounds crazy but
1: i mean was that would no you... it's not i don't think it's crazy i mean i think the last year you saw are you so would you be an advocate of putting uh putting uh, between Pasternak and marshall yeah Okay. I mean, when they were, when Bergeron was hurt last year, uh, Crutchie stepped into that role and that line was great. Yep. So I don't think you're crazy to to think that. I, I just think it would be, I guess it'd be a matter of trying to find the right partners for Bergeron. Um, to me, if you're talking about a guy like Heinen, he's, he's got a decent shot, but he is pass first, uh, you know, hundred percent pass first. I mean, I, I would be, I wouldn't be against trying De Brusque and Heinen on Bergeron's wings. Um, I think that that would be like a real Swiss Army knife line. I think they could have deployed him defensively. I think they'd be strong. Like um, you've got Debrusque that likes to go to the net. He's good down low. He's got a good shot, good hands. Heinen's a very cerebral player, good passer. Uh, and like you said, I think he fits in well with Bergeron. And Bergeron, I think Bergeron too will, will kind of morph. Um, like you said, I think Bergeron if you tell Bergeron to go out and you tell him I need 35 goals from you this year, uh, or, and, or if you say to him, I'm good with 20 goals, but I need you to be a defensive shutdown guy. I think he can do either, either one. So I think Marshawn has been so good with, with Bergeron that I think people are a little afraid to split that duo up. But I, I personally, I, I could care less what the line combinations are as long as uh, it's good for the team. Uh, I think, you know, people get locked into these modes where we've got to keep this guy with this guy. I'm all about whatever will work. If, if you think, I mean, if you could drop debrusk down to the third line and put him with Coyle, I'd, I'd be all for that.
2: Yeah, and, and, and Joe, just to touch on that, I'm, I'm all for that too, whatever works. But I'm also, whatever works, five on five. This right. the, the scoring should not be demanded on how well the power play does. Yeah,
1: they were way they were way too dependent on the power play last year way too much. It I mean, cost them cost it, it, them it, it, in, in some big spots.
2: The power play percentage was really good. It was probably, you know, I I I'm just I'm not I don't have all the numbers up here right now, but I want to say it was in the
1: top 5. Yeah, definitely. And it was I I well I want to say it was for stretches it was around 30% I know yeah. during the year, which is which is insane. It but is. but the fact that you you know you're going to get uh, droughts and they're going to go through slow periods of time when, when the power play is not working. So uh, the, the staple of the team when they've been good in the past has been five on five, has been their even strength play. And last year you saw a team that was okay even strength, um, but really relied on their special teams. And I guess that's fine, but as a, as a rule, those teams don't typically go very far.
2: And, and the special teams, when you touched on that, the, the penalty kill – was okay it wasn't great um right. the years passed before last year it was it was up there and, and and like you know league top so
1: I think the penalty kill was actually I think one thing I think the penalty kill was actually pretty good last year but the problem with it was they gave up so many shorthanded goals yeah that I think they led the league in shorthanded goals last year I that think it was six I want to say it was six no, it was more than, it was more than that. I want to say it was 13. I think it was, it was, it was great. You know, it was a crazy amount of shorthanded goals. So it kind of left every a bad taste in everybody's mouth about, about the you know penalty. Overall, I think from a percentage standpoint, they weren't horrible, but they just gave up so many shorthanded goals that it was crazy. Uh, I mean, I can't tell you how many times Marshawn, you know, would be out playing the point and, you know they'd end up on a the other team would end up with a two-on-one and bury it and it just it to me besides just giving up the goal it's so deflating for a team when you're on the power play to yeah. give up a goal it's just like you know just no matter how good your power play is that to me that's like it's a double whammy it's like it gets you twice you know and So and and
2: having Marsha in on the point there's there goes your defensive liability right there I mean <laughs> Marshan is so good with the puck and everything, his puck possession. Right. But his two-way game, even though he's on a line with the best two-way player in our eyes, a little biased there. But, you know, he does have some uh, defensive liability. So I don't like seeing that on the point. I know, I know that they try to make do the best and get the best players out there. But sometimes uh, decisions like that, are there's a fumble that's going to happen. There's, there's no situation that's going to be perfect out on the ice.
1: Right. I mean, Marshawn's an excellent special team. He's an ex- excellent penalty killer, excuse me, but, uh, but he's a forward. Yeah. So, and, you know, the positions, especially at the NHL level, those guys are so good that trying to drop, no matter how good your defensive forward is, if you try and drop him back and he's playing in a, at the point in a defensive situation, like an odd man rush, he's not going to do very well, you know, in a situation. I mean, you watched it in the game seven. Uh, Marshawn tried to come, come back you know, he, he was back on the back check and that, that play. And then basically that was, that was the game there. Um, So it's like, you don't, you don't want to put your players in positions to fail. You want to put them in positions to succeed. So having him, I don't like having him on the point on the power play. I just don't, I just think it's a waste of uh, his, his natural abilities. So uh, I, and and like as to your point, too, you don't you just don't want to be that reliant on the power play. They, knowing that you need to go out there and score a power play goal or two every game is just uh, puts I think too much pressure on the on the unit to begin with.
2: Absolutely, uh, Joe, you're a big prospects guy. I'm gathering from our interview process yep. when you came yep. to BlackandGoldHockey.com. So the uh, prospects challenge uh, starts today. Um, I don't believe the Bruins are on till tomorrow when they play. Uh Pittsburgh.
1: Uh three, no. No, three thirty. Three
2: thirty today. Yeah. Oh I'd see well I'm learning as I go.
1: <laughs> Have to look. I'm already searching for streams. Uh too. Yeah, yeah. If you find
2: one, <laughs> hook me up, brother.
1: <laughs> so um yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to the Prospects Challenge. I think last year I got to watch uh, – I wish the Bruins would televise them, but last year I think I watched two of the three games, uh, you know, on, on, a, on, a, on some sort of stream. And, and the quality wasn't great, but it's, it's great to see these guys, especially, you know, if you can't get out to see them in person, it's great to see them, um, you know, playing even if it's just video. And uh, the guy, I mean, the guy that I'm really looking forward to seeing this year, I've seen a little bit of him. I saw him at two or three development camps, and I was really impressed, uh, is uh, Oscar Steen. Uh, he's my dark horse guy. He's nice. I think he's a lot of people's dark horse guy, so I can't really claim him. But um, I just look at what he did last year as a uh, 20-year-old in, uh, in the SHL. He was in the top 10 in scoring. I think he was the only guy under 26 that was in the top 10. Um, so yeah, it, game, the two, yeah, the two years before awesome last season yeah. it was just yeah. unreal. The two years before that, I think they really had him. He didn't get much in the way of minutes. I think he was a third, fourth line guy, and they had some veteran players. And last year, they gave him, you know, gave him more minutes, gave him a chance, and he really uh, took hold of it and went. Um, I honestly. As much as I like him, I think he's gonna have to spend a year in Providence. I think it would be good for him to get learning the North American game. Um, yeah. But I mean, I'd love to see him come and grab a spot out of camp. I just don't know how realistic, uh, you know, that is. I, I think you're looking at the guys like Sanitian and Frederick, and some of the other players that have been in North America. They're more acclimated to the game. I think those are those guys are probably going to be the guys that you'll see make the make the jump if anybody does.
2: Yeah, when you talk about Sanitian and Trent Frederick, and so well, Frederick's got a little more term, but Sanitian's on his last year, so I, mm-hmm. I believe that those types of guys that are, uh, are audition years, I call them, are going to get mm-hmm. heavy looks. Guys like Steen are probably, I'm most likely going to be in Providence for that one year. Um, I'm, I'm a big Providence first guy. Get mm-hmm. the system. I know you know the system when you come into development camps and, and training camps and blah, 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 but you really do get a full sense of, what you're doing on a day-to-day basis down in Providence with Jay Leach checking field and, and coaching staff. So, but my thing that I'm really excited about this prospect challenge and the uh, upcoming Providence Bruin season, and this is just pure speculation on my part. I'm not saying I'm not doubting. I'm not being the Debbie Downer of prospects. I know you guys all (laughs) like the, you know, the, uh, the, the, the shiny new toy and, you know, he should be in the NHL as, as soon as he leaves the podium. But I'm really excited about the speed factor that's going to be added to the AHL Providence Club. And that's highlighted by Oscar Steen and Pavel Shen, Jack Stanika. Um and um, Anders Bjork is a fast player, Trent Fredericks is, is a rugged, rugged forward. And and new addition uh to and signed a two-year deal is Samuel Asleen um, mm-hmm. I, I think this Providence team. And if Sinishian comes back uh, from the uh, NHL back down to Providence, that addition on the Speed Factor, it just gonna, it's just going gonna, gonna to put it over over the top for me and, and, and a smile from ear to ear because I just love this shit. But um, it is going to be a real pleasure to see all these guys. And like I said, I'm not sure where Stunika is going to go. I'm, a, you know, I'm like you on, on, on Steen. I'd, I'd like to see Stunika play a full season in Providence just like Jake DeBrus did. And then right. bring, bring them up, I think roster availability up the middle is going to be better in a year or two down the road for him to really slide right in and not be you know not have to like fight for a spot with a contracted player already right um, no, I totally
1: agree totally agree any
2: trends. any I know the trends with the when the Bruins yeah. don't want to play you know high profile players they, they they're thinking about the paycheck first and not not who's
1: better right i no, I absolutely agree with that i I mean I love the. Uh, People forget because it's such a uh, what have you done for me lately society we have now, unfortunately. But if you look at the, I mean, the great Red Wings teams, the Cup teams, uh, the Datsuk, Zetterberg, uh, you know, teams uh, of the early 2000s. They let their prospects percolate in the AHL. Grand Rapids year in and year out had unbelievable teams. And it was because they had these guys that were 24, 25 years old uh, prospects, you know, Detroit prospects that were playing down in Grand Rapids. And then when they brought them up, um, you know, they were ready to play NHL hockey. Um, I understand that with the three-year ELC and with the second contracts that are being handed out now that uh, people, uh, you know, they, they want to see something from these guys quickly. But um, it's not the end-all be-all. You know, if you have – it's not the end of the guy's career if you have a 23-year-old or 24-year-old that's in the NHL. Um, I mean, like, case in point is, uh, is Sineshin. I, I, I'd like to see him this year in a third or fourth line role. Um, I think he's got the physical tools to do it. And as you pointed out, he's done the last year of his contract. I'd kind of like to see what he can do in the NHL this year. Personally, I'd rather see Sanishan than, say, uh, Brett Ritchie. You know who, who the you know the Bruins signed. Um, I, I'd much rather see him uh, in the you know in the NHL this year um, than over a guy like Richie. But you've seen you've seen Richie. Richie's been in the league for a few years. You've seen what he's done. I'd like to see what Sanician can do. Um, so, as far as Providence goes, I'm I'm pretty excited about the the prospects they have uh, down there this year. It seems like it seems like we say that a lot, but I mean you're gonna have. Um, you know, you're going to have whoever on the, on the back end, you're going to have whoever doesn't make the team, which is most likely if they get McAvoy and Carlo done. you're going to have Bacanainen and uh, Lazon and Zaboral down there and uh, Cooper Zek. And then, uh, you know, up front, the guys that you mentioned already, it should be a pretty – I mean, it should be a pretty exciting team to watch. Um, you know, they have some guys like Paul Carey uh, for, you know, can provide some uh, leadership you know, for them, and he's a good, good AHL player, but I'm excited to see what, what they can do this year.
2: And, and with the loss of, um, of uh, Jordan Swartz, who was cowardly, and I will say that cowardly left the Boston Bruins organization on a very unpleasant term, in my opinion. Um, The gentleman was asked to be a black ace. That is a huge honor. But even though he, he knew that he was not going to be a part of the Bruins organization further from that point, uh, asked to go home so asked to go back to Ottawa so I kind of I don't know I, I kind of feel that it wasn't fulfilled in my opinion but
1: I, I understand I understand how I mean I understand I think I understand how he felt uh, I think he probably felt that he maybe should have gotten a shot over some of the guys like maybe like he maybe he felt like he should have been called up before a Coleman or something like that but it kind of it is what it is at that point and he you're a professional yeah. So, and you would think that other organizations, when they're when they're looking, uh, you know, at players like you know, uh, like tweener, like I, I'm, I, Schwartz is kind of an AHL, NHL tweener, a guy that's, you know, on the cusp. Guy. Yep. They, they're going to look at, they're going to, you you think they're going to look at that? They're going to look how the players react to being called up or not being called up. And uh, you know, uh, uh, he hate to say it, but I know he signed. I, I he signed with another team. I can't remember who it is off the top of my head. But I think he went home to Ottawa. Is it? I yeah, I
2: just. I think he's going to be playing in um, in Belleville.
1: Right. I mean, but you 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 would think that the Senators would look at how he reacted to that and not really take very well to right. it. But, You know, like maybe Absolutely. not. I don't. Maybe not. Okay.
2: I, I mean, I, I get, I get it. And so on. I know people make their own decisions. I just think that it was just, you know, it it is what it is. Like you, it, I have a contract to do and I'm going to fulfill that till the day it's over. So, and I'll do whatever it takes. But uh, regardless, you talked about Paul Carey. I think that he's next in line for the Providence Bruins captaincy. Um, and I think he well deserves it. Uh, his leadership down there. Um, Zach Senechen, like you, like you mentioned earlier, has, has, praised him, Schwartz and other members of uh, the, the veteran staff down in, down in Providence that, you know, this is how he basically got to be who he is and, and got him to the level that he got uh, two games last season. So uh, he, he's very high on on tutelage and so on and where it comes from and, and you know, always giving respect to the ones that are, are giving you advice. So.
1: Yeah, I, I think that, there, you know, people have to know their, you know, these athletes have to know their roles and like I know every one of them has the dream of playing in the NHL. Uh, but at a certain point, um, and you see this with a lot of the veteran guys that are in the NHL, the guys like Carrie, that they kind of understand where, where they are in their careers and, and what their, you know, what their role is and they try and make the most out of it rather than kind of fight against it. Um, you know, I'm sure Paul Carey would love to be, you know, still playing in the NHL. But I he strikes me as the kind of guy that it he's realistic about where he is and he knows that hey, maybe, maybe he'll get some NHL time, but he's he probably will be best served, you know, in that leadership role down in the NHL. And I think when a player can accept that, I think it just makes him such a, you know, benefit to the organization. Um, so that's that. that's all there is about about paul i guess but <laughs> <laughs> all right hey, wrap,
2: wrap it up real quick joe and, yeah. and thank you so much for the time today i really appreciate it and and also this is great because um this is a uh we get the audio plus i get to test the audio for future <laughs> for future appearances and the audio quality is 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 good so okay. i'm definitely okay. gonna have you back on but to wrap up this this um this fun fan kind of thing that's going on just you know, just getting the off season up, you know, it, it's starting, it's coming. It, I'm excited, but I want to hear your predictions on the Bruins really didn't do anything and they haven't done anything for the past couple of years, uh, bringing in uh free agent signings uh, to better the roster. They've done the more plug and plays types of type of players. So how do you see this team panning out um, coming down to the ending uh, of the 2019, 20 campaign? And uh, in the playoff scenario,
1: I'm going to, uh, I'm going to pick them. I'm going to say they're going to finish uh, second in the East again. <laughs> nice. Sounds like, a, sounds right like a, broken, Bay, right? a broken record behind Tampa Bay. <laughs> I, I just, I don't, I look, I know the Bruins haven't really improved, but I don't, and I know Toronto fans are, you know, that they, they think that they, they've improved, but I, I look at that defense. Yeah, and all. I don't, it's still, not very good. And they're going to rely on Anderson, uh, you know, a great deal. And Maybe I still just sign yet. Right. I, I, and I don't think they're going to, I think the, the rumor is that he's going to sign with Montreal. Ooh. So I think that, I think that the Toronto is kind of, I think Toronto is kind of where they were last year. I think the Bruins are kind of where they were last year. And so I think it's going to be a second, third uh, finish for the two of them. And unfortunately uh, they're going to face each other again in the first round. Uh, I think, a lot is going to depend on uh, the de- one, maybe one or two young players like an, a Bjork uh, or someone stepping up, or a Heinen stepping into the top six and uh, taking that role. And then uh, I, Don Sweeney seems to treat his first-round picks like you know parts of his body. Uh, you know, he gives one up, it's like cutting an arm off, and I, I, he just doesn't do that. So I think he's going to do the same thing that he did last year. I think they're going to look for. You know he's going to try. They're going to try and get into the playoffs, and then at the trade deadline, I think they're going to look at. You know they're going to have three quarters of the season to see what their what the areas of need are, and if they they're probably hoping they don't have to go out and end, But I think that's going to be the. the plenty against.
2: of time to do it internally too. But if right. it comes down to the the eleventh hour and you need to do something like they did with the Rick Nash back in the day, right? So, you know, but you you have to be there. You have I mean you have to be there so close, if you're like out of it and, and mathematically it doesn't look like you have a chance, don't bother. Don't bother risking your future with a first-round pick just to right. somebody on the rental.
1: I think they really expected when they did that, I think the fact that Sweeney did give up a first-round pick to the Rangers, I think they were really hoping that Nash was going to come in and be a big difference maker. Right. And who knows, he may have. He got, ended up getting concussed by uh, in the Tampa happened. Bay. Yeah bay game but so that but for him to do that i think they really thought that that they had a shot and i think um they he probably thinks they have a shot this year you gotta you gotta look at the next couple of years with bergeron and krechi and uh and Chara this year and they've got to try and maximize that but at the same time you don't want to give up uh, too much of your future um it's a really uh, fine line
2: awesome joe thank you so much for the time i really appreciate it no problem any any time We're going to be doing this again because, like I said, it tested the quality of the audio and everything is good. So
1: Great. No, I had a a great time. There's nothing better than talking hockey. Awesome. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll
2: be back with another guest sooner or later.
1: All right. Talk to you later.
0: Thanks again for listening to and supporting Black and Gold Hockey Podcast.